not safe here. Season 1, The Outcast. Episode 1, There's Someone Upstairs. Betty crouched under fallen logs as the earth shook around her. She rubbed mud over her arms and legs and scalp to mask her smell. She had sweat off the last coat. She looked frantically around for Katrina, for Kim, for Tracy. She already knew what had happened to Delia. The logs leaned diagonally from a large rock. The six of them created a nice cover, if only Betty were more camouflaged. Her parents, when they liked having her around used to joke that her skin was so white it glowed. It would be their flashlight when the electricity went out. Now it was a beacon through the slits in between the logs, although her smell would give her away even faster. The earth shook again, and Betty yelped. The leaves of a giant oak about ten feet away from her, almost as tall as a redwood, started shaking and shivering. Its branches bent unnaturally. That's when Betty saw Katrina, stuck in an opening below the shivering oak. She stood, frozen in fear as the tree bent sideways as if it were as supple as cooked spaghetti. It bent almost 90 degrees, then snapped with a boom like a hundred thunderclaps. Betty tried to scream, but her mouth was a silent, gaping hole. Two weeks earlier. Betty stood in front of a heavy arched doorway that was so foreboding it seemed to push against her. The handle was an iron ring. Is this a medieval prison, Betty thought? It was not. It was her new boarding school for disobedient girls. Same difference. The spires at each end of the building jutted up against a thick forest. Their green needles licked the gray bricks. Betty shuddered. Let's go, Betty's mother chirped. She patted her on the butt as if she were a toddler. Mom, Betty hissed. Not a welcoming place, Betty's father said as he stared at the stained glass above him. Betty knocked meekly at the door, then heaved it open. She peered inside tentatively before her mother pushed her and her suitcase through an impossibly high-ceilinged lobby. The door shut with a deep bang behind them. The floor was a rust-colored marble. Sunlight from the rows of windows stretched across it like dancers' legs, yet it was somehow still dark. A portrait of a stern-looking man hung at the entryway. Ray Wilbertson, headmaster, 1982-2. The end date was blank. Ominous. High heels echoed from the depths of the lobby, from the dark. Betty, a voice from the high heels, sing-songed. Betty retreated, leaning against her parents behind her. Her mother pushed her palm firmly into her back. The heels came closer. And you must be Mr. and Mrs. Sumner. How do you do, Betty's father said towards the sound of the heels. The woman emerged from the shadows and the sound of her heels stopped. She smiled brightly at Betty with red lipstick. Betty wanted to sneer, but she wasn't brave enough. She compromised with a half-smile and a grunt. I'm Mrs. Albert. I'm the headmaster's assistant, custodian, hall monitor, jack-of-all-trades around here. She laughed. Welcome to the Cloisters, the finest boarding school of the Great Lakes. Neither Betty or her parents knew how to respond to this. The silence hung in the air awkwardly. We don't usually take students in midterm. You're a lucky girl, Betty. Thank you so much, Betty's mother said. Betty's been a challenge lately. Betty looked to the floor and felt the sting of tears in her eyes. This is the best place for her, Mrs. Albert said, like Betty wasn't there. 
Is that it? Betty's father asked. Can we go? Betty inhaled sharply and turned around, facing them. Oh, Betty, don't be so dramatic. We discussed this, didn't we? You'll be fine here. Her mother wiped away Betty's tear and patted her lightly on the shoulder. And maybe this will make you think differently about your behavior. Oh, it certainly will, Mrs. Albert said. You can go. Betty's in good hands now. I'll show her to her dorm room where she'll meet her roommate. Then she'll join her classes in the afternoon. Sounds great. Bye, honey, her father said. He turned to leave without so much as looking at her. Mom, Betty said, we'll see you this summer. You probably won't want to come home. Her mother grabbed her hands, then dropped them as she turned to leave. The door closed behind them. Mrs. Albert dropped the smile as soon as it did. Follow me, she said sternly. She took off towards the darkness, heels echoing. Betty stuck close behind, wheeling her suitcase awkwardly. They walked through the lobby and turned right into a long hallway. It was lined with windows, looking out onto two large playing fields cut straight out of the woods. The trees lined the edge of the fields like spectators. Mrs. Albert didn't say a word to Betty. Betty watched the peak of red where her heels rubbed the back of her foot raw. At the end of the hallway, they came to a wide set of wooden stairs. Mrs. Albert ascended them, and Betty followed, struggling with her suitcase. Mrs. Albert did not slow down. The wood creaked beneath her. At the top were the dorms, a long hall with one door after another. No decorations, no open doors, no sounds of anyone. This was nothing like Betty's last boarding school. All the girls are in class right now. Mrs. Albert seemed to read Betty's mind. They walked to the seventh door on the left, and Mrs. Albert opened it without hesitation. A lanky girl with auburn curls and creamy skin lounged on the bed, reading a magazine. She furrowed her brows at her surprised guests in the doorway. Katrina, what are you doing out of class? Study hall. Katrina did not move from her position. Study hall happens in a classroom, not a dorm room. And sit up when you're talking to me. Katrina narrowed her eyes at Betty as she sat up as slowly as possible. She smiled sarcastically at Mrs. Albert. Nurse said I could rest up here. I'm not feeling well. I'm sure you're not, Mrs. Albert said. Attitude problems manifest in the blood. She straightened her skirt with her hands. This suits me, actually. You can take care of this one. She produced a sheet of paper from her leather folder and handed it to Betty. Your class schedule. Katrina, take her to the cafeteria at noon and then to Mr. Jensen's class. Katrina's eyes narrowed even further. She hadn't taken them off Betty. Mrs. Albert turned to Betty, and the smile that had disappeared along with her parents came back briefly. Welcome to your new home, Betty. You follow the rules? You'll be happy here. She closed the door with a click as thin as her heels as she left. Betty looked at Katrina, who had gone back to her lounging position on her bed. She stared at Betty steadily. You goth? Katrina asked. What? You look goth. Betty instinctively touched her hair. I just have black hair. And you're pale. Am I wearing all black? Katrina rolled her eyes and went back to her magazine. Don't touch my fucking stuff. Betty put her suitcase on the bed and started unpacking. She did her best to hide her tears. hour later, Betty followed Katrina towards the cafeteria. She tried to keep track of all their turns, but could not. Each hall looked the same. Each doorway projected the same shadows. The food is gross. Don't let this fancy building fool you. The fancier the boarding school, the worse the food, Betty said. She and Katrina talked without looking at each other, walking side by side through a hallway that gradually became lighter and louder as they walked through it. The cafeteria was an add-on. 
It was mostly glass and looked like a greenhouse, tucked into a spare nook of this gothic castle. How many have you been to? Katrina asked. This is my fourth. I thought after three they would give up, but then they found this one. I think they like it because it's far away. Poor little rich girl, Katrina said. Then she took off into the noise of the cafeteria and disappeared into the crowd. Betty scanned the room. Most of the girls looked like Katrina. Skinny, white, long, messy hair, baggy flannels. She saw one black girl and three Asian girls in the entire room. Betty took a deep breath and walked through the crowd. She searched for Katrina but couldn't find her. She felt the eyes of the girls boring into her as she slinked past. She caught snippets of whispers about her hair, her Doc Martens, how sad she looked. Teachers stood sternly at the edges of the lunchroom, periodically yelling something at somebody. A youngish, handsome, French-looking man was surrounded by about four students. He was laughing as he looked at one of the girl's tags inside her jacket flap. Finally, Betty reached the food line. The woman on the other side of the counter scowled in their hairnets. Um, tuna salad, I guess, Betty said. The girl in front of her, with long, perfect light brown hair, looked at Betty and burst out laughing. She turned and whispered to her friend as they moved down the line. White or wheat, a woman asked. What? White or wheat, she yelled. Sorry, wheat, sorry, Betty said. The woman glared at her as she plopped tuna salad on her bread. Any day now, a girl in line behind Betty said. Betty ignored her. Thank you, she said as she took her sandwich. She couldn't bear the rest of the line, so she grabbed an apple from a bowl at the end of the counter and turned to survey the room. Most girls sat together, either deep in conversation or laughing hysterically. Neither were invitations. Betty started walking towards the door she came in, hoping to find a seat in a corner. She walked with false purpose. A blonde girl with a large purple sweater sat with a lone black girl who wore patent leather shoes and a tanned brunette who inexplicably wore elbow-length gloves. They stared at Betty as she passed. Betty made the mistake of making eye contact. What? the blonde girl said. Betty snapped her head back to her plate. That's when she spotted Katrina. She sat with three other girls at a table in the corner. There was a space next to one of them. Without thinking, Betty walked towards them. A very pretty Korean girl with pigtails and a flannel shirt buttoned to the very top and ripped sleeves sat next to Katrina. Two white girls, one with deep freckles and one with almost invisible eyebrows, sat across from them. They all stared at Betty alongside Katrina. Are you the new girl? The one with freckles asked. Betty released her breath. She didn't realize she'd been holding it. That's Betty, Katrina said. This is her fourth boarding school, so don't get too attached. Ooh, so you're bad, the pigtail girl said. We didn't say you could sit here, Katrina said. Don't be a bitch, Katrina, the invisible eyebrow girl said. They all laughed. Betty sat next to her silently. She sat across from Katrina, who smirked at her. So, tell us everything. Why'd you get kicked out of three schools, the freckled girl said. I'm Delia, by the way. Hi, Betty said. I'm Kim, Pigtail said. She took a bite of some chocolate pudding. I'm Tracy, Invisible Eyebrow said. So what's your deal? Delia asked. She grabbed a chip off of Tracy's tray. Oh, I just didn't like those schools. Maybe this one will suit me. It's the most remote one I've been to. And here, no one can hear you scream, Kim said. Everyone laughed. Betty, too. But why did your parents want to get rid of you? Tracy asked. Mine freaked out when I started my period. They were like, out, witch! Oh my god, you're gross, Kim said. She pushed her food away. I stole my dad's car, Betty said. I don't think he ever forgave me for it. He loves his car. Dudes obsessed with cars have small penises. It's proven, Katrina said. 
Ew, Kim said. How is it proven, Tracy asked. Like, is there a survey with car model and dick size? The guys Katrina has slept with in their cars is a statistically significant sample size, Kim said. Katrina threw a french fry at her. Bitch! They all laughed. But what did you do with your dad's car? Were you running away? Did you cross state lines? Delia asked. I totaled it, Betty said. Holy shit, they all seemed to say at once. So you should have died, Katrina said. Is that why you're so pale? Betty took a bite of her sandwich. Katrina was right. It was gross. I'm surprised your parents picked this place, Tracy said. We haven't had any new students since last year. Like a third of the students left after what happened. Betty looked confused. What happened last year? You don't know, Kim asked. She leaned into the table. Everyone else followed suit like a huddle. Oh my God, Delia said. I can't believe you never heard this. They had all become serious. Delia's freckles seemed to darken. Kim twirled a pigtail around her finger. They stared hard at Betty. One of the girls disappeared last year, Kim said. Her name was Zelda. She was a junior. A year above us, Tracy started, but Delia interrupted. And she didn't show up to dinner one evening. And that's a big deal. We can't miss it for anything. She never shut up in her dorm room that night, Kim said. And there was this big search party in the woods. But obviously they didn't find anything, Delia said. The woods are a black hole. Katrina watched everyone coolly. She looked sad, which is the first time Betty had seen any real feeling. How long did they look? Betty asked. Kim took a deep breath. Two weeks. Then they called off the search. It was way too cold. She was declared dead six months later, Tracy said. Oh my God, Betty said. Did they find out what happened to her? It was Mr. Wilbertson, Katrina said. She stared down at her food. He killed her. He's the headmaster, Kim explained. What? Betty asked, surprised. He sleeps with students. Zelda threatened to tell, so he killed her. Katrina was still looking down. Betty saw that her hands were balled into tight fists under the table. Zelda was Katrina's friend, Tracy said quietly. They sat in silence for a moment. But surely they investigated him, Betty said, right? I mean, if it's common knowledge that he takes advantage of students? Ha, Katrina said bitterly. Rich people don't go to jail, Delia said. I mean, my whole family would have gone to the electric chair already. The men, obviously. Obviously, Tracy said. Mr. Wilbertson paid off the family, Kim said. That's enraging, Betty said. Yeah, said Katrina. Just don't get sent to his office. After lunch, Betty followed Katrina towards the classrooms. The hallways were wide and carpeted. There were framed posters on the wall of man after man, all the headmasters. If it weren't for the lockers, no one ever would have guessed this was a high school. What are you, my puppy? Katrina asked. Mrs. Albert told you to take me to Mr. Jensen's class, Betty said. If that's so awful, you could just tell me the way. I'm in his class right now, too. Come on. Katrina looked at Betty from her periphery. You shouldn't trust people who are too nice, you know. What about people who are total bitches? Betty's heart pounded hard. She had surprised herself. But Katrina surprised her more. She stopped and smiled. Betty stopped too. There you go, Katrina said. Then she pointed at the door right across from them. Mr. Jensen's class right here. Speaking of creeps, you seem nice. What? Betty asked, but Katrina had already gone through the classroom door. Betty peered into the classroom from the doorway. The handsome French-looking man from the lunchroom sat on top of the desk in the front, wide-legged. It was the scarf, Betty realized. He wore a loose scarf. That's what made him look French. Three girls surrounded him. One of them the blonde girl with the purple sweater. 
They were hanging on his every word. He was describing the shape of something in the air with his hands. The students sat on top of their desks, too, while some gathered by the window reading. Katrina sat in the back, scowling. Betty stood in the doorway awkwardly until the handsome man noticed her. You must be Betty. Come in, come in. The girl surrounding him scowled at her. He stood and held out his arms as she walked toward him. He put his hand gently on her back. I'm Mr. Jensen, but everyone calls me Mr. J. Welcome to your new home. The end of his scarf had fallen loose, and Betty could see a little chest hair behind it. She blushed. Hey, it's normal to be shy in a new place. We are all but human. This made Betty blush even more. Everyone, welcome Betty to our little clubhouse. We read books and we talk about them. It's basically a vacation. Everyone laughed at him, but their faces fell as they looked stonily at Betty. Mr. J leaned in to whisper in her ear. They're cold at first, but they're great once you get to know them. Then to the room he said, Everyone take your seats. Not you, Betty. Stay up there and tell us about yourself. What is your story? Betty shook her head in protest. Oh, no, I... Go on, Mr. J said. We've all done it. Everyone has a story to tell. Betty blushed deeply. She could feel it in her neck. The room giggled. Mr. J perched on the desk of the blonde purple sweater girl who looked at Betty haughtily. Um, I'm Betty. I got here this morning, late morning. Uh, Katrina is my roommate. She caught Katrina rolling her eyes. She looked at Mr. J for help, but he sat forward eagerly, like he was watching the most interesting movie in the world. I'm from Atlanta. I was at a boarding school near there, but um, it wasn't the right fit. There's a good school really close to where my parents live, but I guess they don't want me around. Betty laughed weakly. Join the club, the black girl with the patent leather shoes said. What makes you tick, Betty? Mr. J asked seriously. I don't know. I... She paused, desperate to sit down. But Mr. J wasn't letting her off the hook. I like to swim. I like mystery novels. But who are you? Mr. J pressed. I don't know who I am. I mean, aren't we all just... Betty looked around the room. People started to lose interest in her. I mean, aren't we all not quite people yet? I mean, we're not allowed to vote until we're 18. We're not allowed to do what we want or even advocate for ourselves until we're adults. So until I'm an adult, I guess who I am is just... She paused. Existing. Mr. J smiled as though he were proud of her. Welcome, Betty, who is existing. He stood. Find a seat anywhere. It doesn't matter. We move around a lot in here. Betty quickly found an empty seat and took it. She stared hard at the ground, her face hot. Then she turned and caught Katrina's eyes, who regarded her with not just disdain this time, but with some interest. Betty could hardly pay attention in class. They were discussing a book she had never read, but she did notice the girls worshipped Mr. J. They gazed at him like he was the Beatles. They laughed at his corny jokes, and they didn't judge him when he jumped up and down or did silly voices, all in the service of literature. Betty liked reading, but she didn't trust Mr. J. She didn't trust anyone who wanted her to like them. At the end of class, Mr. J said, Your journal entries are due. Leave them on my desk. We'll discuss them tomorrow. The girl started filing towards his desk and leaving all kinds of spiral-bound notebooks with him. Some had hearts drawn on the front. Some had stickers. The blonde purple sweater girl handed her journal to Mr. J instead of leaving it on the desk. Betty overheard her say, This journal entry is embarrassing, Mr. J. I had a dream about you. Nothing in our dreams is embarrassing, Valerie. Our dreams are puzzles to be solved, Mr. J said. Okay, well, don't be creeped out when you read it. I'm trying to be honest, like you said. 
Mr. J smiled and tapped Valerie on her head playfully with her journal. Katrina dropped her book from a height so it banged onto the journal pile. Mr. J looked at her. Thank you, Katrina. I'm looking forward to learning more about your mind. I'm sure you are, Katrina said as she sneered. She walked out of the room and Betty hurried to catch up with her. What's the journal thing? Betty asked. Oh, Mr. J asks his students to give him their innermost thoughts like it's homework. Then he jerks off to them and we get grades. What? Betty stopped in her tracks. Don't act so shocked. Can you tell he was a creep the second you saw him? Betty nodded. My Sherpa duties have ended. You're on your own. Katrina walked down the hall, leaving Betty alone with the crumpled sheet of paper Mrs. Albert had given her. Halfway down the hall, Katrina turned. If you want to eat with us at dinner, meet me at the dorms at 6 o'clock. Then she turned and ran. Betty smiled. The rest of the afternoon was a blur, except for one thing. She met Mr. Wilbertson. He was tall and solid, and he had a mustache. He wandered the halls, greeting the students as if he were a politician. Everyone seemed scared of him, even the teachers. As everyone disappeared into their classrooms, he approached Betty. They were alone in the hallway. It was dark. A storm cloud had covered the sun, and Betty could hear the rumble of thunder far away. "'You must be Betty Sumner,' he boomed, looking down at her. "'Yes, sir,' she said. She was standing outside the door of her next class. She was late. She found the school a labyrinth. The girls in the class craned their necks to peer at Betty and Mr. Wilbertson. "'We're very glad to have you here.' Every young woman who graduates from the cloisters has a bright future ahead of her. Thank you, Betty said. She thought she should say more, but she blushed instead. Mr. Wilberson lifted her chin with his thumb and forefinger. Betty flinched, but let him. You will find your voice. He stared at her for several moments. He was not smiling. Betty couldn't meet his eyes for more than a second. He had not let go of her chin. Then he dropped his hand and smiled. Get to class, young lady. Nice to meet you, sir. Betty said, before rushing into her class, away from him. I think he did it, she told Katrina later. She met her in their dorm room at 6 p.m. She was early, just in case. Katrina pulled off her shirt the second she walked in and tossed it on the floor. Betty looked down, embarrassed. Of course you did, I told you that, Katrina said. She was rifling through her closet. We have to get dressed up for dinner, like it's 1956. It's such bullshit. Oh, Betty exclaimed. I didn't know. She looked in her closet, at the two dresses and three shirts hanging there. She didn't know how she was going to make it to summer. She pulled off her shirt from behind the closet door. Katrina laughed. Oh my god, you're prude! Do you want to see me naked? Betty challenged. Yes, Katrina said, giggling. I'm in love with you. Betty threw her shirt at her, and they both giggled. She pulled on a black dress and came out from behind the closet door. You look like you're going to a funeral, Katrina said. Aren't I? Betty answered. Katrina wore a blood-red, short-sleeved, baggy dress. Come on, let's go. If we're late, we get a demerit. And three demerits means they cut off one of your fingers. There are girls with stumps for hands around here. You are so weird, Betty said as they left the room. They met Kim, Tracy, and Delia in the dining hall. It was a long room with banquet-style tables and deep red walls. The carpet was thick with ornate, floral outlines that made Betty dizzy. It was fully storming outside now, and the rain pounded the windows. Kim wore a long-sleeved, dark purple velvet dress that Betty loved. She wondered if she could borrow it, if Kim was the type to share clothes. She would ask her when they knew each other better. 
Delia wore a short-sleeved shirt under her spaghetti-strap blue baby doll dress, and Tracy wore a long button-down shirt over leggings. Technically not a dress, but she was getting away with it. We don't do dinner in the cafeteria, Betty asked. No, Kim said. Dinner's in the dining hall. They serve us here. After we pledge allegiance to Satan. I mean the cloisters, Tracy added. They all laughed. Just then, Mrs. Albert came in and stood at the front of the dining hall. Everybody stood like she was a judge. They all started speaking in unison. We thank you for the food we are about to receive, the shelter above our heads, and the warmth and care of the cloisters. We are working to be better young women, to listen before we speak, to think before we act, and to be gracious in all circumstances. Better women make a better world. Betty looked around as everyone chanted this in a monotone, looking towards Mrs. Albert. Her voice rang out above all the others. When it ended, everyone sat. Is that for real? Betty whispered to Delia, who sat beside her. Yeah, so? She answered. Tracy sat next to Delia. Kim and Katrina sat across from them. Well, it's a little weird, isn't it? Betty asked. The blonde girl and the black girl with patent leather shoes sat across from her, next to Kim. They both had on cream-colored fitted dresses. And how is it weird, new girl? The blonde girl said. Betty looked down and shrugged. She got some courage and answered softly, Listen before we speak? That doesn't sound sexist to you? Oh my god, I never even noticed that, Delia exclaimed. Are you serious, Delia? Tracy said. I've been saying it for so long, I wasn't even paying attention. It just sounds like noise, Delia said. You are the perfect cult member, Katrina said. I don't think it's sexist, the blonde girl said. We should all listen before we speak. Some of us shouldn't speak at all. She stared at Betty when she said this. She has a point, Valerie, the black girl said to the blonde girl. Thanks, Betty said. I'm Betty, not new girl. I'm Kat, she said. Kat? Valerie chastised her. Take a chill pill, Val, Kat replied. Then the food came. The same lunch ladies, but this time wearing all black and without the hairnets, placed bowls of stew and glasses of water without ice in front of them. It's really hard to be vegetarian here, Kim said. You can't be a vegetarian and eat bacon, Tracy said to her. Listen before you speak, Tracy, Kim said. They all laughed except for Valerie, who glared at Betty. The stew wasn't good, but they ate it. The moon lit the path only about a foot in front of Betty. The rest was darkness. She was alone and something propelled her forward. What was she looking for? She shivered and kept walking, eyes just in front of her on the ground. The trail was lined with gnarled roots and mud-covered rocks. She looked behind her. It was as dark as a black hole. She heard a snap of a twig on the ground, followed by the rustling of leaves. She froze, not even breathing. Whatever made the sound must have frozen, too. It was so quiet, Betty could hear her heart beating. The rustling started again, this time much closer to her. Betty took off running. She stumbled along the winding path as fast as she could. Her face smacked into a small branch as she held her arms out as she ran, frantically swiping at the air in front of her. The toe of her shoe caught under a raised root, bright green with moss, and she fell forward, hard. She lay still in shock, the front of her body wet from the damp ground. As she started to get up, she heard the rustling just to the left of her head. She heard herself scream, and she started running, breaking from the path, running into deeper shadows as the trees blocked the moon. She didn't see it until she almost ran into it. A cabin. The darkness seemed to weigh down its roof. The windows were black holes. Without thinking, Betty rammed her shoulder against the door and tumbled inside. 
She slammed the door behind her and slid to the floor in relief, catching her breath. Then she looked around. It was as dark inside as it was outside, but the glow of the moon filtered through one of the windows. It took Betty's eyes some time to adjust. The cabin was small and tight. She stood in a kitchen and living room. A chair lay on its side, and the couch was pushed against a door on the other side of the room. The rest of the furniture looked like hulking figures, and that's when she heard something. A moaning sound. That's why she was pulled towards the woods. It was towards this cabin, towards whoever was moaning. Someone was hurt, and Betty had to help them. But Betty didn't want to help them. She wanted to run. The moaning sound came from above. Betty saw stairs to her left. They curved into shadows. She stood and walked towards the stairs, not wanting to go up, but knowing that she would. The moaning intensified as if in response to acute pain. Betty froze. She took a breath before she stepped forward, and at that exact moment, the cabin shook as if it was being ripped open by an earthquake. Betty screamed. She sat up. She was in her bed. She looked around the room. It was her dorm at the cloisters. She threw off her covers to check her feet. They were bare and clean. She was wearing the t-shirt she went to sleep in. Her breathing wouldn't slow down. The woods in the cabinet seemed so real. Just then Katrina screamed and sat up in bed. She threw off her covers and jumped up, punching the air around her until she realized where she was. Are you okay? Betty asked. Katrina looked at her blankly. After a beat, she blinked her eyes in recognition. No, she said. Did you just have a nightmare? No, it was an awesome dream. Katrina sat on the bed, her hand to her chest. She took a deep, shaky breath. It seems so real. Was there a cabin? Betty asked. She didn't want to know the answer. What the fuck? Betty continued. Were you in the woods and then you came to a cabin? And there was a moaning sound and then a crash or something, Katrina finished. They stared at each other. A cloud blurred the edges of the half moon outside their window. If you like this story, please come back next week for episode two. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you. We are not safe here. The Outcast. <laughs>